Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody, it's time to believe in the Big 12. If you're a Big 12 baller, this podcast is the place for you. Every week, we dive into the hot topics surrounding Big 12 football and even some basketball. Guest stars, former players, industry experts, conference shakeups, hoops hypotheticals, football fantasies, you name it, we have it. In the process, we'll look at marquee matchups, roster comparisons, coaching carousels, and analysis of big time moments. You will literally feel like you are etched into the fabric of the Big 12. From the creation of basketball to history repeating itself on the gridiron, our take on all things Big 12 will have you glued to the edge of your seat. So whether you've got a favorite Big 12 team or are just a fan of the conference, buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. Welcome to the Believe in the Big 12 podcast, a proud member of the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number eight of the Believe in the Big 12 podcast. And on behalf of the entire Believe Podcast Network, before we kick off, I have to ask, do you believe, and more importantly, for our purposes, do you believe in the Big 12? Because the Big 12 is awesome right now. The whole national landscape is, let's be real. There's a lot of interesting football games, a lot of interesting storylines, and a lot of big news. But the Big 12 is one of the most interesting We've had a lot of games that we thought would be more interesting than they were, and more games that weren't. And the unveiling of the college football playoff top 25 rankings. And boy, do I have a hot take about that. I mean, real hot. I mean, I just tried to pick up that scalding hot plate with my bare hands and got totally burned level of hot. Alright, might as well just get it off my chest now. How? Is Cincinnati not in the top four? How? This is getting ridiculous. Now, for those who weren't here last time, we did our fifth ever set of power rankings, and it was awesome, as usual. But these weren't just any power rankings. These were the ultra-super-massive Big 12 power rankings. Why, you may ask? Because, even though they won't officially be joining the Big 12 until 2023, We'll be including Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, and UCF in the rankings. It's only right to see how they stack up and then we start pretending like this is the new reality from here on out. Because it is. Or at least it's gonna be. And even though they're on their way out, we're gonna include Texas and Oklahoma too, until they're officially gone. So, once again, welcome to this week's edition of the Ultra Super Massive Big 12 Power Rankings. And if you couldn't tell from today's intro, first, you need to take a look at your ability to use common sense. And second, Cincinnati is still number one in our rankings. Big surprise. And for crying out loud, they should be number one in the college football playoff top 25 rankings. I know. 
I'm angry. You can tell. Bold claim. Putting them above Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. I get it. But if there was ever a team from a non-Power 5 conference that could play with these behemoths, it's Cincinnati. And I've never said that before. In recent years, we've had undefeated teams like UCF. But I just knew, deep down, they wouldn't be able to compete with that level of teams. The cream of the crop. Cincinnati absolutely can. And they got absolutely snubbed not being ranked in the top four. But mark my words, they will be soon. Their most recent game against Tulsa is proof. And you know what else is proof? Lee Corso putting on the Bearcat mascot head and announcing that the Bearcats can compete. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Amen, Mr. Corso. Amen. Because again, for those who don't know, a Bearcat is some sort of odd fusion between a bear and a cat. I don't know. I've never seen one in the wild. A bear and a cat, you know, just kind of fusing into one thing. I mean, what, what is that? Uh, but anyway, um, I've heard tales of their grandiosity, their majesty, and their ferocity. So good luck if you're playing against that. The Bearcats came up huge defensively against Tulsa and proved yet again that they have the medal to make a big stop when they need to. And we all know they'll have to make a stop against a big-time team at a big-time moment. And they have plenty of practice. They forced a fumble as Tulsa was reaching for the goal line on fourth and goal from the one, recovered it for a touchback, and sealed the victory. Amazing. And QB Desmond Ritter did his part too. He threw for 274 yards and two touchdowns in another strong performance, extending the nation's second longest home winning streak to 25 games. You don't build a streak like that without a winning culture. Coach Luke Fickle said it perfectly after the win. Well, that was a wild one. It's about winning against a team that is a much better football team than their record shows. Truth. But the real magic is that I truly believe Cincinnati has a shot to win against a team that is as good as their record shows. Say, a Georgia or an Ohio State. They have to protect the ball in big situations, though. They did give the Tulsa Golden Hurricane new life when Ritter fumbled the ball on a quarterback sneak that was meant to run out the clock on Tulsa. They have to be more savvy with the strategy there. And my only other concern is that the leading rusher, Jerome Ford, well, he was helped off with an apparent left leg injury. I'd go so far as to say that Cincinnati's college football playoff hopes rest on that outcome. Because no one can stop the Bearcats when they have Desmond Ritter running around agile at quarterback, throwing touchdowns, and then Jerome Ford running roughshod all over defenses. It's like I said, they're a lot like the Cleveland Browns of college football. Their rushing attack is insane. But Fickle has his guys in the right mindset regardless. When Fickle saw that his players weren't celebrating in the locker room afterwards, just chalking it up as another average win, he talked to them about not taking winning for granted and ignoring the focus on style points as it relates to the college football playoff. Fickle said, don't lose sight about what this is all about. Some people can strip the joy from you. I won't do that as a coach. That sounds like a team who's in the right place with the right coach and could really make a splash in the college football playoff. Coming in at number two, we have the Oklahoma Sooners. Bet you didn't see that one coming. They stay put where they are. They're almost tasting the sweet nectar of the number one spot in our ultra super massive Big 12 power rankings. But not until Cincinnati shows me that they shouldn't have the top spot. Plus, Oklahoma didn't do anything phenomenal this past week. Why? 
Well, they had a bye. Can't really do anything phenomenal if you don't play. Oklahoma better hope that their offense keeps grooving like a quartet, holding down the beat in the musical of their same name. Great musical, Oklahoma. You should go check it out. Then they've got a legitimate shot at being top dog in our rankings if they keep grooving like they have been. Oklahoma, number two. Number three, Baylor. I'm actually going to put Baylor ahead of Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Texas based on one thing. They beat Iowa State. I know that sounds crazy, but they accomplished something that Texas and Oklahoma State couldn't accomplish. I don't care that Oklahoma State beat them or that they only beat Texas by seven. The Baylor Bears are a resilient team that has won all of their close games except that one with Oklahoma State, which is their lone loss. And I truly believe that can be atoned for if Baylor beats Oklahoma this coming weekend. Here's the thing. I highly doubt they will. That's why I'm giving them one last happy moment in the top three before they're banished to the outside looking in forever. Next week, Oklahoma State will be above them, most likely, after their game with TCU. I'd be very surprised if they weren't. So soak it up, Baylor. You're at number three for now. But uh, you suffered an emotional loss to TCU last weekend. More on that when we get to TCU. He gave up 461 yards through the air, threw a crucial interception with a minute left, and lost the game despite three passing touchdowns from Gary Bohannon and 125 yards rushing from Abram Smith, who topped 1,000 yards this season with that stat line. You really should be thanking your lucky stars that I'm keeping you here at number three, solely on the grounds that you beat the rabble-rousing Iowa State Cyclones and Oklahoma State didn't. But hey, let's let bygones be bygones. Number four, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State looked sharp. I mean, razor sharp. And again, that's why they'll be number three in our rankings next week, unless something crazy happens against TCU. You never know. They did just play a great game against Baylor, but I think that was just a one-time thing due to TCU's coaching change. Oklahoma State overcame an early turnover plus a West Virginia field goal to score 24 unanswered and promptly put West Virginia in their place. This is why they're the number eight team in the country. This is what winners do. They punch back and say, nope, not on our watch. The Cowboys have now held consecutive opponents out of the end zone and piled up eight sacks in the game. I love what I saw from their defense. They pushed around West Virginia's offensive line for the entire game. Linebacker Devin Harper had two sacks, and Malcolm Rodriguez made nine tackles. Now he's leading the conference with 87 tackles on the season. It's amazing. And for the sacks, that's the most sacks for Oklahoma State in a game since 2004. Devin Harper summed up their mindset the best. We knew we were going to have to play physical. The whole week we talked about being physical and making plays and doing our job. West Virginia racked up 492 yards against Iowa State last week, and Oklahoma State held them to 133 total. Just an all-around, shut-down, defense-wins-championships type victory. It didn't matter that QB Spencer Sanders threw an interception to go with two touchdowns, because the defense was just that good. Very impressive. Number four, and soon to be number three, if they take care of business against TCU just like that this weekend. Number five, two words, Iowa State. Two more words, 
Brees Hall. He busted out all the stops in an incredible running performance for Iowa State. They ought to call him Brees Hall because he was breezing by everybody. He rushed for 136 yards and two touchdowns and looked like a workhorse back. They earned their third straight win over Texas and became bowl eligible for the fifth straight season. It was the sixth time in seven games that Brees Hall has broken the 100-yard mark. That is very rare in college football. His teammates all genuinely think that he's the best back in college football. And I gotta say, I'm starting to think that myself. And he showed a lot of resilience along with his teammates. He was held to just 17 yards rushing in the first half. And then exploded for 119 in the second half. Including a 47-yard dart to the end zone. He also showed patient running that allowed him to gun through those openings when they appeared. They also had fun with it, pulling out the razzle-dazzle. Wide receiver Xavier Hutchinson snagged a lateral from quarterback Brock Purdy and then threw a strike to Tariq Milton for the score. They looked like a team with nothing to lose, and I like those teams. So Iowa State rounds out the top five. Number six, Texas. Two words, Texas drops. No more of this ranking them above Baylor hogwash. Not only did Baylor beat them since our last episode, but then they went and lost to Iowa State. And I'm not saying that Iowa State's a bad team. I was just talking about how amazing their running back is. But I did not think they had the same firepower that Texas did. Looks like I was wrong. And you know how I said putting Texas below Baylor would ignore the fact that Oklahoma State, a team ranked above Baylor in the AP poll, suffered a brutal upset to Iowa State? And ignore the fact that Texas played Oklahoma State better than Baylor played Oklahoma State? Well, Iowa State is not to be overlooked, and that upset isn't looking so brutal. Texas was outgunned in every facet of the game in their own debacle against Iowa State. We know what Iowa State running back Brees Hall did to them on the ground. We just talked about it. But the real problem here was Texas's offense. Now, we know they can be incredibly explosive but they could not get anything going. ESPN said, accurately, that they simply sputtered. And that's that's very accurate, actually. I'm going to go on record and say it's very accurate. Casey Thompson got the start, as usual, at quarterback, but he completed just two of six passes for two yards before being replaced by Hudson Card, who at least brought them a touchdown. But they fumbled the ball away almost immediately in the game, and while they did respond with a 78-yard drive for a touchdown to Xavier Worthy, it was crickets from there. The defense couldn't stop a nosebleed in the second half, and their success depends on the ground game, which was non-existent. So Texas falls to number six. Next up, at number seven, BYU. They round out the top half of the rankings. BYU has looked strong in their last two games, albeit not defensively in one of them. But they absolutely went wild on offense against Virginia, as the two teams combined for 1,322 yards. And then they built on that momentum to absolutely demolish Idaho State. Quarterback Jaron Hall threw for 298 yards and four, count them, four touchdowns. Tyler Algier did get his ceremonial rushing touchdown on an 11-yard dash, but this game was all about the air raid. And that's why BYU leapfrogs Kansas State here. Not only are they ranked higher, but they showed that they can air it out and score touchdowns via their field general and Jaron Hall and not be so dependent on the run game. That's the key. 
not so dependent on Tyler Algier to literally carry them to victory. They also played tenacious defense and blocked a punt for a touchdown at the end of the game to really drive things home. Their special teams looked strong. Their offensive line looked strong. The linebackers really stuck to their zones well and made coverage look easy. It was really impressive. Not too much to report other than that BYU is an extremely capable 14th ranked team in the country, and they look poised for a bowl game invitation. Next up, number eight, Kansas State. Nice rhyme, right? Now, why are they number eight? Because they did exactly what solid teams do. Rough up on Kansas. I hate to say that as a Jayhawks fan, but it's true. It has been a really up and down season for Kansas State. They climbed quickly into the top 25, riding three straight wins to open the season, and then plummeted after three straight losses in Big 12 play. Now they're rising again. I don't know what to make of this team. It's the same as Navy's disorienting triple option scheme from last week. Are they winning? Are they losing? Do they care? Do they not care? What even is a wildcat? Up, oh, he's in the end zone again. Nah, it's maddening. But it was fun to watch last weekend. Running back Deuce Vaughn had a career-high 162 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Quarterback Skylar Thompson shredded the Kansas Jayhawks through the air. And the Wildcats cruised to a 35-10 victory, just like they should have. Now they're bowl eligible, and Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman said it best. It tells you an awful lot about the character and resolve of our guys, the way we started off in the conference. There was always... That belief in the locker room. Ooh, love hearing that from a coach. Giving me chills. Kansas State is number eight. Number nine, we have Houston. He's singing a song. He's singing a tune. Doesn't matter if it's the middle of June or a monsoon. Clayton keeps on singing that tune. All right, I'm done. I don't know what that was. That's right, folks. Houston quarterback Clayton Toon looks stellar yet again, throwing for 385 yards on 21 of 26 passing attempts with three touchdowns. The run game was strong too, and Tejon Henry took off for a 97-yard touchdown run to help the Cougars fend off upset-minded South Florida, 54-42. Their running back duo of Henry and Alton McCaskill was lethal. Toon said of his teammates, I feel like everyone has raised their level. We're starting to click. It's been fun. That certainly looks to be true. The only reason I don't have them higher here is because the game never should have been this close against a 2-7 South Florida team. They shouldn't have needed a touchdown with two minutes to go to put this game away. But hey, like I've said numerous times, a win is a win and the offense looks sharp as attack. The defense obviously needs work. And it doesn't help that star defensive back Marcus Jones got banged up and had to leave the game for a while. But this Houston team is an impressive 8-1. and one. And if we're going off of record, they'd be up there with Oklahoma State vying for a top three position. But the quality of opponents just isn't quite the same. No matter though, Houston has won eight in a row for the first time since 2016. And they look poised for a bowl game. Number 10, we have TCU. Mighty, mighty TCU, look at you. I literally have been saying this all season long. This looks exactly like the type of team that would pull off a crazy upset near the end of the season and blow up somebody's hopes for a shot at the college football playoff. 
that's exactly what they did to Baylor. I was right. And you know what? They have a chance to do it again next week at Oklahoma State. The stage is set for what I predicted. But really, TCU played a complete game to the final whistle and earned a tough victory against Baylor. And do you think this had anything to do with the fact that longtime coach Gary Patterson wasn't on the sidelines anymore for the first time since 1997? I think so. That's a long coaching stint. That must have lit a spark in the team, seeing that change. Quarterback Chandler Morris threw for 461 yards and two touchdowns in his first career start for TCU. That's the fourth most passing yards ever for a TCU QB in his first start. They played sound defense too, keeping everything in front of them and getting stops at the right moments. It was interesting. It never really felt like the game was in doubt for TCU, despite it being so close. And the Oklahoma transfer, Chandler Morris, he also ran for 70 yards with a touchdown. This ended a three-game losing streak for TCU and hopefully marks the start of a new chapter for them, who have gone 22-22 and since 2018, stuck right at 500 winning percentage. And my favorite part about all of it, Coach Gary Patterson, after the game, he tweeted, Go Frogs! Despite parting ways just a week before. Class act. And they stormed the field when the game was over. Good news is, too, they still have three more regular season games and then a bowl game, likely, to avoid consecutive losing seasons for the first time since 1996. Number 11, we have West Virginia. And where do I even start? West Virginia, man. Three points? Three points! Oklahoma State's defense has become an even more dominant of late. But still, let's get more than three points. Well, who am I to say, though? I certainly couldn't even make a field goal against Oklahoma State. Maybe a corner fade route. I could probably burn somebody on a corner fade route because I'm really good at those. But I certainly wouldn't make a field goal with my foot intact. So as mentioned earlier, West Virginia was held to 133 yards total. No wonder they only scored three points. This is to be expected somewhat since Oklahoma State is the top rushing defense in the Big 12, but that's still a very low tally. And the special teams didn't do them any favors, muffing a punt in the third quarter that the Oklahoma State Cowboys recovered. And that was a big part of this game, punt coverage. The Mountaineers were routinely backed up within their own 10-yard line, over and over in this game. It must have been maddening for them. Like, in a funhouse type maddening. Psych. I'm not going to do the clown music again. Gotcha though. Gotcha though. West Virginia quarterback Jarrett Dogue barely had any time to throw the ball with a constantly collapsing pocket and barely threw for over 100 yards and had one pick. This game was won at the line of scrimmage and in punt coverage. And there's not much more to say. West Virginia got outplayed and manhandled and couldn't put up more than three points. Not a recipe for success. They have Kansas State next, which could be a really nice bounce-back game for them. Number 12, Texas Tech. And Texas Tech is a special one this week. They really outdid themselves. Texas Tech is one of only two Big 12 teams to have done absolutely nothing this week. Texas Tech was on a bye, so they don't budge. They'll have a real chance to break into the top 10 if they can beat Iowa State next week, though. Because Iowa State has put together some good victories over Texas and Oklahoma State as of late. But for now, 
Texas Tech stays where they are, number 12. Number 13, UCF. UCF has been playing well lately, even though they're number 13, except for that one game against Cincinnati, which kind of shows you a lot. But again, who could beat a Bearcat? Good luck. But other than that, they've actually played very sound football, won each of their close games except one, and have been coming through in the clutch. Mikey Keene threw a 23-yard strike to Brandon Johnson with 5.55 remaining to put UCF up for good. He finished 19 for 25, passing for 229 yards, a 76% completion rate, and really took care of the football. That's what matters most. 25 passes, 229 yards, no interceptions. A very solid effort. It was a dud of a game in terms of scoring, but UCF is good at winning those games. So they improved to 6-3 and and 4-2 and in conference play with a win over Tulane which for a future member of the Big 12 is what some may call competitive. Last up, number 14, we have, drum roll, if you didn't guess it, the Kansas Jayhawks. Ugly game for Kansas overall this week. They were down to their third-string quarterback. First-string quarterback Jason Bean was banged up early. Backup quarterback Miles Kendrick was carted off after a second play of the game. And then they were down to Jalen Daniels. Their running back, Tory Lachlan, also got carted off of the field. Jalen Daniels did his best, throwing 105 yards and a score. But this was just a lost cause for the Jayhawks. Coach Lance Leopold admitted those injuries took the wind out of KU, saying that they lost a little intensity. They trailed 21-3 at halftime, and honestly, it could have been much worse. 21 points at halftime is actually relatively low, considering that Kansas gave up a staggering 10.7 yards per play to Kansas State. They simply got outplayed, unfortunately. But it was good to see them play the game through and at least get into the end zone once. But there is still a lot to sort out with this team, so for now, they're still at number 14. In closing, we have clarity, folks, and we'll only have more in the coming weeks. Cincinnati and Oklahoma are top dogs. Oklahoma State can play spoiler for Oklahoma. Iowa State and TCU are underdogs that no team wants to face right now. Texas has slipped a little bit, while BYU and Houston have actually climbed in the AP poll and yet remain in the middle of the pack in our ultra-supermassive Big 12 power rankings. And the bottom? Well, not much movement there. So things are actually kind of stable. I think we have our top three. It's going to be Cincinnati, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. It's just a matter of when. And mark my words, if the Cincinnati Bearcats don't get into the college football playoff and win out the rest of their schedule, I will single-handedly turn myself into a Bearcat. I will find a way to make that happen because I will be shocked if they don't. I see you, Bearcats and Sooners. The Bearcats should be in the top four in the country, and I really hope that happens. The no-man's land in the middle of our power rankings seems firm, And the bottom, well, they're doing what the bottom does. And that's holding up the foundation for the rest of the teams in the conference. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you back here next time when even more college football madness has ensued. And hopefully, with things playing out as they should. And finally, I just want to say thanks to sports in general, because now college basketball is back too, which means there's even more to talk about. But for now, really excited to see how the college football season plays out. And 
we'll see you back here out on the gridiron. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.